Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God confronts us with two different but related problems when it comes to the law of God and the gospel of Christ today. The first problem is somewhat well-known and generally understood in the church, and it's the problem of self-righteousness. In many ways, this is what Jesus is responding to in the example of the commandment, you shall not murder. But the self-righteous, they hear this commandment, and it doesn't sound all that bad because, well, their mind, and perhaps sometimes in our minds, it tells us that murder is only the physical taking of someone's life from them. This would be like going into a bank and killing the teller or something like that. It's blatant and obvious. And to the self-righteous, the fifth commandment doesn't look all that bad. Well, because you probably haven't gone into a bank and done such a thing. And if this is how we were to understand the full meaning of this fifth commandment, well, most people would probably say to themselves, I've done a good job and I've kept this. But again, I... I think the church is pretty aware of the problem at hand because it leads to a righteousness by works and not a righteousness that comes by faith in the gospel of Christ when we sort of think very, very narrowly of the law in this way. Self-righteousness is a dangerous way of thinking because it makes us far more secure as sinners with our works than we should be. Think about it. If every law of the Ten Commandments were interpreted in this kind of narrow way where we at least thought we could keep them, most people, when they think about their own lives, they probably say to themselves, hey, I'm not really doing that bad. This is essentially what happens to the Pharisees, too. They really think that they've done a pretty good job keeping the law of God because they understand it in such a way where it's not that hard to follow. The problem, of course, is that the law of God is not so easy to follow, and it's not nearly so narrow. That's why Jesus gives the example of what it really means to not murder someone. It isn't just killing their body in some kind of malicious act. It is anything and everything in thoughts, in our words, and in our deeds that harms the welfare of our neighbor, even if that just happens to be in our own mind. How could anyone live their whole life without calling somebody a fool in their heart? And if calling someone a fool for us merits the fires of hell, well, that's a lot of people who are going to be going to hell if they have to be saved by their works, isn't it? And if we're not quite sure, maybe still, that this is the case, all we would really have to do is spend some time in the same room with someone who does not agree with us on something like politics. I think at the end of that kind of discussion, the only thing we'd probably be sure about is that everybody in the room thinks everybody else is a fool. And yet, foolish is he who thinks he can be saved by the law. Because the law of God is so expansive and so far-reaching into our very being that nobody can keep all its demands. This self-righteousness really is the first problems that sinners face when it comes to the law of God and the gospel of Christ. Because if you think you can keep the law of God like foolish sinners so often think, well, then you really have no need for the gospel, do you? I think the second problem that we face, too, though, in respect to the law of God is a little bit more challenging, maybe, but it's, it's just as problematic for us. 
It's not self-righteousness that thinks it can keep the law of God for salvation, but rather lawlessness, which thinks that the law of God no longer applies at all. It's as if the law has no force and no meaning and no bearing upon the sinner. And we certainly see a lot of this in our society these days, don't we? People aren't afraid of the law of God. They don't fear its punishments. This kind of thinking then leads people to sort of run wild because if there's no consequences for their behavior, well, why not just do whatever you want to do? Now in the church, we might not, well, hopefully we don't go quite as far as our society does, right? As, you know, they sort of adopt this lawless view of the world. But there's still plenty of lawlessness in the church. Christ addresses this fact when he says that he has not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. Those are the words right before the gospel lesson today. It's as if he's saying in those words, well, the law and the prophets of God shall endure until this creation is no more. And therefore, the world is bound to them. Can't get away from them. And that is exactly why Jesus has come to fulfill the law of God. In the history of the church, sometimes confusion arises on that point, though. It's led some to believe that because Christ has come and has fulfilled the law, that therefore the Christian is no longer held accountable to it in any way. And then that false understanding leads to the belief that we basically get to determine what's good and evil in our own lives because the Ten Commandments in the minds of the lawless doesn't really apply. Even if they simply say, well, Jesus, that's why Jesus kept it, right? That's sort of their line of argumentation. But it, it kind of makes sense what happens with this. I know it's a little confusing, but have you ever sort of wondered why there's so many Christians out there right now who think that, like, maybe all the, the LGBTQ stuff, right? They, they argue that that's not in contradiction with Scripture. Sometimes they argue how things like adultery can just sort of be passed over real easily as if living together before marriage is kind of some personal decision that God doesn't really care about. Well, that's lawlessness, and that's how that works. It is the mistaken belief that the law in the Ten Commandments, because it's fulfilled in Christ, is now absolutely abolished in respect to us. The old Lutherans, they used to call this sort of thing antinomianism. It means those who are against the law. But Jesus explicitly says today, he has not abolished the law. It's still binding on the world, even though he in his own ministry has fulfilled it. Now, it's true that we cannot be saved by the law of God through our keeping of it. But as creatures, we will always be under it in this life. And when we transgress it, we transgress our God. It's that latter fact, right, that causes us as true Christians to return to the sweetness of Christ's keeping of the law for us. In other words, we can't look at ourselves and say, hey, I don't have to worry about my sins against the law of God because it doesn't apply to me anymore, right? And then we think we can sort of go and do whatever we want. And, and it may be hard to admit that, okay, look, we have all have the inclination to basically exonerate ourselves from the law, but we can't, right? It's always over us. And who hasn't said this sort of thing to themselves sometimes? Something like, well, you know, my neighbor, you know, sins against me, and I, I sort of sin against them, but we're not really that bad, right? After all, we're, we're forgiven in Christ, and 
Nothing to worry about there. We like to think that because Christ has kept the law for us, that if we just, you know, miss a few parts of it, well, you know, it's not really that big of a deal anyway. I'll just kind of keep on being me. But that's actually lawlessness. It's excusing our sinfulness by thinking that the law really doesn't mean that much in relation to us. Because, you know, we're in Christ and he's kept the law for us and therefore we just don't really have to be concerned with all those things. But that does not actually lead to true repentance and faith in the righteousness of Christ. It just sort of leads us to think that, you know, we can kind of do whatever we want. It's not really that big of a deal. People do this all the time in the church. But the law of God, it is not given that we sinners might keep it by either our sort of narrow interpretations of it, or that we might have nothing to do with it really because we just tell ourselves, well, Christ has kept it for me. Those two things are actually pretty problematic. And they either lead to self-righteousness or they lead to lawlessness. But neither leads to Christ. And we must be aware of each of these because they're close to our sinful hearts. And we would do well today to really consider the words of Jesus you know, that he hasn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. He has come to fulfill them. Jesus has done what neither self-righteousness nor lawlessness can achieve. See, he didn't just pretend to keep the law of God in some kind of narrow sense like the Pharisees. He kept the whole law of God in all its parts, in its fullest meaning, which means in his heart, he never called someone a fool. I mean, imagine for a moment never calling someone a fool in your heart throughout the whole course of your life. I mean, this is like impossible, right? Like, like, Jesus can do this. But that's what he's actually done. He has truly kept the law of God in the spirit of its intended meaning. And it wasn't just, say, the fifth commandment, right? He's kept them all, chief among them, which is the first, which is to have no other gods. It's truly unfathomable what Jesus has done for us. He's lived this absolutely perfect life on our behalf, doing for us what we cannot even begin to fully comprehend. And he gives this truly righteous life to us, not because of anything we've done, but purely because he's gracious and merciful. And your Father in heaven, because of the righteousness you have received by faith in Christ, he looks upon you as if you have actually kept every single aspect of the whole law of God. As if you have never called someone a fool, not even once in your whole life. And I know there are many who in our time look upon God as, you know, sometimes as if he's not merciful and gracious since life's hard, doesn't always turn out like we want it to. But, but seriously, you know, God looks upon us as if the righteousness of his son is our righteousness. Now that's a lot of mercy and grace to give to people who could never even come close to that. Not only this, but Jesus himself, he doesn't embrace lawlessness either. He never exonerates either himself or others from the law of God that is laid down in the sacred scriptures. At no point in his earthly ministry does he say or even insinuate that failure to keep God's law is in any way pleasing in the sight of the Lord. On the contrary, he keeps the law of God for others because they can't actually keep it. But he doesn't do it 
so that they might just go on living contrary to it and, and be ruled by sin. We're not set free from the law of God and the righteousness of Christ to be ruled by sin and to become the doers of evil. We're set free from the law of God so that our salvation is not dependent upon our own righteousness. And also so that we might be the keepers of the law, not to save ourselves, but because that's who we are supposed to be in the righteousness of Christ. And so here we are today, right? Gathered here to repent of our own self-righteousness and our own lawlessness that we might look to Christ who is the righteousness of God made manifest in the flesh of man and in Him find the forgiveness of our sins and in Him find the righteousness we do not possess on our own. And finally, in Him find the newness of life that we would never have by our own reason or strength. Those three things, forgiveness, righteousness, and the newness of life, they're all gifts of God given to us purely out of His grace and mercy. And whether the people of our time or even those within the so-called walls of Christendom understand these things or not, they are ours by faith alone. Self-righteousness can't merit them. Lawlessness does not inherit them. They are ours because we have a merciful and gracious God who has set us free from our sins to be the people of God. And in Christ we are. So let us not try to save ourselves by a vain keeping of the law, nor forsake the law as the people of God as if it were nothing at all. But rather shall we find our hope and our comfort in Christ's righteousness. And with whatever time we have left in this life, live our lives as the people of God, trusting Him alone for our salvation and loving our neighbor according to the Ten Commandments, just as Christ has so loved us. In the name of Jesus, amen.